So many years ago, uh, myself and my brother and our family, we went down to Ballybunion and we were on a, a, a day trip as far as I remember and we went into a shop and my eyes lit up when I saw a certain toy that I'd always wanted. I absolutely loved remote control cars. You know, they're, just, they're great crack. They're absolutely amazing. I love them. And uh, so I, we, we begged and pleaded and... and, and Mom decided, okay, right, grand, grand, we'll get you this remote control car. So we charged her up, and out we went, outside. Now, I don't know how old I was, maybe, maybe 10 or something, but I didn't quite understand how a lot of things worked. So we went out to, with this remote control car. Where did we go? We went out to the beach. Now, uh, <laughs> I think you can see where this one's going. Uh, so we drove for, I'd say, all of about two minutes, I'd say, and then she just kind of ground to a halt in a kind of a mucky mess. And that was it, wrecked. Uh, the, all the gear, the sand got in everywhere. It was just wrecked. The battery was corroded with salt and the whole thing was just useless. So we brought home this lovely looking remote control car that was useless. The wheels would hardly even turn anymore. Like it was just all, all ruined by, my, by, my, by me, my own fault. Like. Sometimes I think I even got a message uh, yesterday from someone, uh, a good friend of mine, and she said, uh, she said, Father Patrick, I just, I'm not really sure if I get this whole thing because I'm trying to walk with the Lord, I'm trying to do this whole prayer thing, and yet it seems that people who don't pray seem to get on just as well, maybe even better. Why? And uh, when the Lord talks about giving us life and life to the full, when he talks about giving us the Holy Spirit, right? Exteriorly, things can look relatively the same, maybe with or without the Holy Spirit. Exteriorly. Then you may not, maybe necessarily, immediately notice a huge difference. I think this, this was her, this was this lady's question as well. I mean, does it, does it really make that much of a difference? <clears throat> when the Lord says, like, I've come to give you life and life to the full, or I've come to pour my spirit within you that you may live. He doesn't say, I've come to give you my spirit that, that things may be marginally better. Or that you may have a better shot at heaven. He says, I give you my spirit that you may live. The implication being, without my spirit, you're not even alive. You're not even alive. You're a remote control car stuffed with sand. It, it, it may look okay, but it's not. It's not. The heart of it is missing. The heart of it is missing. The life has gone out of it. And interestingly, like with this, this, this person that, that sent me that message, uh, just uh, as I was just praying before I, I, I answered her, I said, like, your story isn't over either, and neither is theirs. So these people that you look at, where everything looks great, you know, a day will come when there'll be some sort of a challenge in their life, there'll be some sort of a bereavement or difficult diagnosis or whatever it may be, and who will they call on? And this isn't, I'm not, I'm not wishing anybody evil at all, but like, in reality, when, when the chips are down, like when, when, when difficulty comes our way, who do, who, do you, who do you rely on? You already know. And you will see the blessing in your family and in your children and in your husband, God willing, one day. You'll see the blessing. That necessarily hasn't come to fruition yet, but it will. It will. The Lord wishes to give us life. The Lord wishes to give us life and life to the full. So, when we think about Lazarus, there's a very, there, there are lots of very, important details here uh, in, in, in the story. So, Jesus is told that uh, 
the man you love is ill. So Lazarus is ill. Now Jesus already knows all things, so this is, this is no surprise to him. But he doesn't go immediately. He waits another two days. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead four days. Now in, in Jewish tradition, uh, they, they, they read a lot into numbers, you know, like seven or twelve or so on and so forth. There, there, there were numbers of, of completeness and wholeness. And in their tradition, like, if a person was dead for more than three days, they were proper dead. Like, I mean, I met, maybe medicine was fairly basic back then, so maybe, maybe there was a chance that someone could just, you know, resuscitate or whatever, but uh, after three days, you were proper dead. Like, that's, that's, that's it. Like, uh, it's also why Jesus, you know, was dead for three days. On the third day, he rose again. So he actually proper died. Like, clinically, definitely gone. Okay, so... So Jesus waits, and when he arrives, it's the fourth day. So we're, there is no doubt, okay? There is no doubt. And this is all, so this is deliberate, like. So he gets there, and it's, he gets there, and, and people are maybe dubious about him. And maybe even, like, when, when he says this sickness will not end in death, but will end in God's glory. And then when he gets there, he's uh, talking to, to Martha and Mary, Martha says to him, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But she holds on in faith. But I know that even now, whatever you ask of God, he will grant you. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he'll rise again. The resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Me. All who live, live through me. All miracles, all grace, it all comes through me. And there's that wonderful line, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus sees the, the loss in, in those he loved, and obviously he loved, that, he loved Lazarus himself, and he wept. He cries at the, at, at the death of his friend. There's such a beautiful humanity about that. He sees the, the, the suffering, the grief uh, of those he loves, and he grieves with them. He's not indifferent. He's not some god away in some sort of a throne distant in the clouds. But he grieves and he weeps with those who are upset. So he goes and he prays in front of Lazarus' tomb. And he prays directly to the Father. And if you just listen to, the, to how, how Jesus prays, who he's praying for, and what the purpose of this miracle is going to be. Father, I thank you for hearing my prayer. He starts with that. Father, I thank you for hearing my prayer. I know indeed that you always hear me, but I speak not for myself, but for the sake of all those around me, that they will know that it was you who sent me. So the purpose of the miracle isn't just to bring Lazarus back to life, but it's to prove who Jesus is. All of the miracles that Jesus worked they're, in Scripture, they're usually called signs. Jesus worked signs. So a sign indicates something else. The miracles that Jesus work, worked point to the fact that he is the Messiah. He is God. That he can do supernatural things. And then he cries out, Lazarus, here, come out. He commands a dead man to leave his tomb. And when Lazarus approaches the, the edge of the tomb, you could just imagine 
the shock and maybe the horror and maybe the, the wonder and maybe the marvel and maybe the applause and maybe all sorts of different reactions from people. Like, I mean, like, this isn't normal. This is supernatural. You've got a, but he's wrapped up in all of the, 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 the traditional binding clothes for, for a corpse at the time. So he wasn't able to walk very far, short kind of steps. I don't want to conjure up an image of a mummy, but we're, we're, we're kind of that direction, okay? It's, it's that kind of thing. And then Jesus says, and I love these words, because these can be applied to so many aspects of our lives. Unbind him and let him go free. And this is, like, this is a divine command, right? This is Jesus commanding that, that, that Lazarus be unbound. But again, see, these miracles, they point to more than just Lazarus himself. These words apply to you and I 2,000 years later. When Jesus sees us in, in the tomb of addiction, in the tomb of loss, of grief, in the tomb of low self-esteem, in the tomb of, of hatred, in the tomb of unforgiveness, in the tomb of all of this, this negativity which brings death, in the tomb of all of this, Jesus then commands, Un, may you be unbound, unbind him and let him go free. May you have life and life to the full, life in the spirit. May you be set free. May you be unshackled from all of that hurt and unforgiveness and pain and loss. And Jesus commands this into your life. It's, it's beautiful. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear that too. You know that the Lord commands into my life, may I be, may I be set free and unbound from whatever it is that holds me back. So in today's gospel, we hear the Lord's desire to give us life and to set us free. To give us life in his spirit and to set us free from all that shackles us and binds us and holds us down. And this is uh, a wonderful grace available to us if we want it. The Lord wishes to set us free. The Lord wishes to give us life. And so we ask today, that we will experience Jesus in our own lives as the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus' own words. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus asks, do you believe this? Do you? Do you believe that in Jesus we have life and life to the full? We ask the Lord today to renew our faith, to set us free. We ask the Lord to help us to understand his heart, which weeps for us when we are far from him. We ask our blessed lady now in these last weeks of Lent to guide us to the heart of her son, who knows our every need, who knows our every suffering, and who identifies with us in our pain. Amen.